DJ and PK brought to you in part by The Warehouse. Join the big show Friday from 2 to 6 at The Warehouse at 1825 South, 300 West in Salt Lake City. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Boom! Boom! Time to welcome in Brian Keel, the former BYU linebacker. Brian, good morning. Good morning. How you doing? Good. All this, uh, all this noise around signing day, does it remind you of anything? Or have times changed so dramatically you're thinking, man, signing day isn't anything like what I went through. It is not anything like I went through. <laughs> it is a spectacle nowadays. It's uh, pretty amazing how far things have come. I'm wondering for you, you've been noticed, you've been uh, willing to note that you grew up a BYU fan. And at the time, so much has changed from when you were coming out of high school. And it's impossible to say for sure. But with BYU being independent and Utah being in the Pac-12, would your heart still be, if you think, if you can just speculate, would it still be dead set on going to BYU, or would you check out other options? Um, you know, it's, it is hard to speculate because so much has changed. Um, I, you know, I, I would say I, nothing would change for me that I, w- I would still have the same path that I ended up taking. That being said, um, if some of these – you know, when I, when I was coming out, it was rare that the Utah guys went out of state – um, some of the guys did, but it, it wasn't like today where it happens, you know, tons of kids every year. And, you know, I try to put myself in some of these kids' shoes. And, you know, if a school like a Stanford came knocking on my door, um, yeah, you know, it's, that's different. I mean, there's, there's certain schools like a Stanford because of, of what you get outside of football going there. You know, that definitely would have caught my attention. Um, a school like USC, just because of the – the history and the the amount of publicity that you will get and opportunity to make it to the next level that would have caught my attention. Um, but honestly, if if the rest of the Pac-12 schools or even just a lot of other P5 schools, it, it wouldn't have attracted me. It had, would have had to have been either a very esteemed academic institution or just a perennial powerhouse, you know, historic school. Otherwise, you know, it would all BYU. You know, obviously BYU has uh, has picked up momentum here. You can see it in wins on the field. They got a four-star uh, recruit. Uh, they got several three-stars. Uh, not as many as the teams on their schedule, the Utes or, you know, other people are going to play in the coming years. But Kalani seems to have this thing moving forward with the wins over Tennessee and USC and beating Boise State two years in a row. How much are you worried that someone's going to come calling? And we've heard Arizona, and if not them, then somebody else. How much are you worried about that? I think, you know, it's just, it's part of the game, and it's it's a good problem to have. If, if people come calling, that means your guy's doing something right. And um, I fully expect it to happen. I, I'm sure it's already happened to some degree already. And after a year like this year, I'm sure, you know, whatever that volume was is absolutely going to increase. And, um, you know, I, if, if someone comes calling and they have a good offer, you know, I don't fault Kalani for taking it. You know, I put myself in his shoes. He's got a family to take care of, kids to take care of. And when you can make generational money, um, you don't turn that down. So, I, you know, if, I, I love Kalani. I think he's a fantastic football coach. He's an even better person. And I hope he's our coach for a long time. A big school throws a big fat wad of cash at him. I would not, for one second, hesitate. You know, if I was him, I, I would take it. You know, you, you get get while the getting's good. 
Okay, but how about from the BYU perspective? Do you feel like they have any obligation? And I could say get out of the dark ages and start paying competitively. Do they just roll over and say, well, there you go. We're not even going to bother matching it, which is basically what they did with Bronco. And see you later. We'll just get somebody else in here. Yeah, and I do. I think that, you know, sooner or later they're going to have to adjust and adapt. And it kind of, we've talked about this on the show before. Um, I, I believe we actually specifically talked about a comment that Kyle Van Oyes made, um, you know, something, and I can't even remember what, exactly how he phrased it, you know, in, in, in his, his jazzy style, but he said something along the lines of, if you want to, you know, if you want to eat with the big boys, you got to be ready to pay the bill. Or, I can't even remember what he said, but it, exactly his words, but what he, what he meant was, if you want to play with the big powerhouse programs, you got to spend like they do. And I don't disagree with that sentiment, um, BYU has been historically low in terms of compensation. And that's not just an athletic department. That's across the board, the whole academic institution. And that's just kind of been a philosophy of theirs and how they've operated. And I love BYU, and it's a fantastic institution organization, top to bottom. In terms of, of athletics, if you want to compete, it you know it takes money. And if, if, they, if they want to be in the national stage they're going to have to start spending more money than they have historically that's just there's no way around it and so that's internally decisions have to be made which are way above my pay grade i'm just a fan at this point but you know something's got to give there as a fan how much confidence you have in the ability to uh finish the season with a w and beat ucf i have a good deal of confidence it's it's going to be a tough game and um, it's probably going to be, in terms of talent and speed, um, the best opponent on our schedule. Um, I think, you know, Coastal's probably a little bit better football team um, overall. But in terms of talent and speed, I think this is going to be the, the best we see this year. And they're, I mean, they're better than their record. Um, they have a couple losses, but they're close losses to good teams. They, uh, they're explosive. Obviously, in the last several years, they've gone undefeated. They've, they're a tremendous program with lots of talent. So it's, it's going to be a good test for us. I'm wondering how much you think kids, being recruits, the young kids, look into what's been going on with this college football ranking system. Because, and the, uh, I think it was the athletic director from, uh, who was it, uh, uh, Central Florida, I don't remember who it was, Cincinnati, somebody, or maybe it was Coastal Carolina, was basically saying that, let, let's, or, let's go, or the commissioner of the a, AAC, that's who it was, yeah. you know, let's go back to the BCS because this system is just not rewarding the non-elite Power 5 teams, and we see it in the college football ranking. So um, it, to me, it sends an awful message to programs like BYU but how much do you think a 17, 18-year-old kid understands all that or even cares about all that? I think they do. Um, and you know, what we've seen this year uh, with the disrespect, the blatant disrespect, the, the college committee, um, the, bulk, the college uh, playoff committee, and I use playoff. If, if we were in person, I'd have air quotes around that word playoff because that's not a playoff. Um, the disrespect they have for Cincinnati – for Coastal Carolina, for BYU, for the little guys. I mean, it's it's real, it's blatant, and in this day and age, it's kind of amazing that it persists. 
you know, this, this social justice, equality, fairness um, for all, everybody, equal opportunity society that we live in today. It's kind of amazing that college football persists with its, its um, elitism and its old boys network and the same, you know, the same blue bloods that have been in power for 100 years remain in power. I think part of it is, is all the, the warriors who, who fight those social causes. They don't really care about college football, so they're not fighting for that cause. I think that's part of why it persists. I don't know. But it is, to me, it's amazing that it persists. It is, it is absolutely the most unfair system in sports. And um, something's got to change. I don't know what it will take for it to change, but something's got to change. And, as, and to answer your question, in terms of kids coming out of high school, I think it absolutely affects their decision-making because you want, you know, if you're a kid, every kid, every athlete wants an opportunity. You want a place at the table. Um, the, the reason that March Madness is so awesome and fun is because Cinderella can dance, man. Everybody's got a chance. You've got a fighting chance. And it's not like that in college football, especially if you don't go – to a P5 school. So absolutely that affects the decisions that these kids are making. You know, I think there are uh, three games that really scream out at me when you talk about how blatant, I like the word, I like the way you use the word blatant, how blatant this is. And we have the state of Louisiana to, to thank. Florida loses to LSU at home, and LSU's got a losing record. And Louisiana goes to Iowa State and wins by 17 points. That's not a 31-14 is not a fluke. 31-14, you know who played better that day. And then Louisiana loses to Coastal Carolina. But Coastal Carolina is behind Florida and behind Iowa State. Come on. Yeah, that's, this is ridiculous. It, you know, like, the scores in, in don't the matter. World, in the world of math, the transitive power is there. And I know college football is not exactly transitive. But, yeah, that math doesn't add up. You're exactly right. It just doesn't add up. <laughs> I like that. That was a, a an excellent comparison there as far as that goes. Do you think that uh, it also uh, maybe could hurt BYU's brand in that they have this great season and this is the bowl game that they get sent to? I personally don't think that there's a big difference between what's now, the say, the Holiday Bowl, which was BYU's goal for so many years, and this bowl that they're going to. It seems like there's either the uh, playoff or the New Year Six, and then you can lump the rest of them in there. But do you think that that is anything that BYU could be concerned about? We have this 10-1 in season, and this is the bowl we're going to? Yes, I do. And, and, and it makes you wonder. I, you know, I saw a lot of people on Twitter on Tuesday after the rankings came out, and they made comments along the lines of, had we beat Coastal Carolina, we probably still would have been disappointed. And you never know. It would have been really interesting to see what, what our ranking would have been had we won that game, had we gained that extra yard and a half and won that game. Um, but that being said, you know, it's, it kind of just depends on what the decision makers at BYU want, what they want our brand to be, and what our objective and goal is. And, again, I'm not the decision maker. It's above my pay grade. If I were in charge – I want it all. I want to be at, at the table with the big boys competing, and we're not even close to there right now. So if I was in charge, which I'm not, I would be doing everything I could to put the program on a trajectory that gets me a seat at the table, that gets me able to participate, able to compete, able to play for, for all the marbles. And in my opinion, the only way to do that is getting into a Power 5 conference. And I know – 
that has been the goal, has been the objective. I know it's a two-way street. It's not something we can invite ourselves into. There's a lot of different factors at play. Um, but honestly, depending on what the objective of the program is, um, that's really the only way that we're going to progress and, and, and get further. You know, certainly BYU's come a long way since the days of paying Lavelle Edwards less than market value while he was turning down NFL jobs. It's certainly the Lions job at minimum. It's come a long way. But I also have to admit, BYU into a, into a power five and to think that they're going to pay a, a coach three, four, five million dollars a year. That's where this has gone for a lot of schools. And that's where it's going for the rest of them. And I have a hard time seeing that happening anytime soon for the Y. And yet, with everything you say, it seems like that's where they've got to go. Is when do they do it? Exactly. And it just, you know, it just kind of depends on what the program wants. Um, and there's, like we said, you know, there's a whole religion that's in charge. And, you know, there's a different bureaucracy. There's, there's different metrics. It's just a different organization than other college footballs. Um, teams and so there's there's different things at play and it just kind of depends um, you know from top to bottom what they want to accomplish if, if they want the program to just to be a mid-major and to to be a middle of the road and compete then that's fine and they just continue on the trajectory and maybe that is all they want I don't know that you know I don't know what their minds are um, and, and if that's the case then yeah just continue with the status quo continue you know plodding along with the the expenditures that we have and and the success that we've had and um and that's fine and 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 there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that that's commendable and it's it's plaudible and it's it's worthwhile um it's just like i said if i was in charge which i'm not i want more man i just i want it all and so (laughs) you know that's who you are uh sure uh And look at Kalani. He's had an interesting run here in Pro Bowl, right? He succeeds uh, a Bronco. They got a fair amount of talent, and but he's saddled with a bunch of uh, inexperienced coaches, right? They do okay the first year. The next year is a bomb. They change coaches, and then they get a little bit better, but they only still have uh, the two seven and six seasons. Now, this season – They've got experienced coaches. They've had a banner season. Now, I understand the schedule hasn't been as tough. But I'm wondering, where do you think the true Kalani Sataki lies in his ability to coach? Because also, I can make an argument in his favor. Well, given with the BYU situation with kids on missions and then coming back, and it probably takes at least a year for them to get back to where they should be, physical conditioning. I didn't serve a mission, nor was an athlete at the D1 level. So I can't answer that. You know that better than anybody. So I'm wondering if you think this is really the legitimate evaluation of Kalani because now he's got all the guys in the program are the ones he recruited and the ones who he recruited early, they're back from their missions. And so maybe this is what the program is now. I think, um, you know, Kalani, I think is a fantastic coach. Um, Like every coach, he has strengths and weaknesses. And from the get go, one of the things that everybody agreed upon was his strength is maybe his, his key strength is his personality, just his, his, his likability. There, I, there's nobody that knows the, per, the guy that's met the guy that doesn't like him. He's just an absolutely likable guy, and that translates into his ability to recruit. And so, you know, from, from the get-go, it was known that he was a good recruiter and that he was going to help BYU in that department. So I think if you evaluate him and his 
his legacy thus far. I think it hinges on his ability to recruit, and it hits like what you just said. There's been progress from year to year in the rankings of our recruiting classes and just the talent that we've been able to pull into Provo. And so in terms of you know what to expect from wins, losses, as from him as a coach, I think it's a, a matter of time as he pulls in higher level of talent and higher levels of recruits that'll get better year by year and year. So yeah, I think what we've seen of you know mediocre years followed by better years, I think you know he's just going to keep getting better as he gets recruits and as as uh, more more talent comes into the program. That's what I expect to see just knowing Kalani and knowing what his strength is. Brian, as always, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, you bet, guys. Have a good one. All right, Brian Keel, former BYU linebacker. Uh, conference. We're going to have that for you next. Right now, we welcome in Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic. You see him on uh, TV. You hear him on the radio. You see him on billboards. Andrew, you're everywhere. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, we're trying to get the message out, that's for sure. Okay, well, you had a message, and you mentioned this earlier this morning. I had not heard you say this before. Tell the people about uh, the studies that you're posting at your website so that they can go read from them themselves and then decide what they want to do. Yeah, so uh, I think a few years ago we were the only ones saying that acoustic wave therapy can reverse erectile dysfunction. And then slowly clinical studies started to come out. And then faster, the science page at wasatchmedicalclinic.com now has 40 of them. Uh, There's three weeks of reading material on there, and it's a bunch of journals, basically, that test this technology with men that have erectile dysfunction. And then they test the blood flow or they do x-rays on the blood vessels after and it's pretty astonishing we can regrow blood vessels cambridge even studied this the american urological association uh they conclude that it's safe it's effective and you don't need the pill any longer i don't know anybody that wants to take the pill so i think the science is sound we've got a breakthrough for ed now so, if people want to get a hold of you and they want to see uh, and read these studies for themselves, where do they go? Uh, WasatchMedicalClinic.com has most of them, and they are on the science page. Click there. You'll see a link to every single one. All right. Call Wasatch Medical right now. you got an offer for folks who call right now. We do. If you are struggling with erectile dysfunction or you just want to increase the frequency in the bedroom, we see that all the time as well. Call us now. We'll do the initial screening. This is with a medical doctor, totally free. You can come in, get the information. He'll do a blood flow ultrasound, no charge. That's pretty cool. And we'll throw in a little booster in the bedroom, I call it. It produces instant results. It's all free. Call Wasatch Medical right now, 801-901-8000. 801-901-8000. The number to call is 801-901-8000. Thank you, Andrew. Kyle Whittingham has just sat down and he started his Zoom press conference talking about recruiting and signing day. Here's Kyle. To uh, address the needs that may arise. So anyways, uh, we feel uh, like we're off to a good start with the 22 class. We're already starting on those guys and and uh, the cycle never ends. It, it goes from, uh, you know, there's never a day off in recruiting and it's it's constant and our assistant coaches would be commended for their hard work and, and uh They've done a good job, as always, uh, targeting, the, targeting the right guys and, and getting our type of players uh, in the program. 
and uh, certainly was unique this year with no uh, official visits and no off-campus evaluations or recruiting, home visits, that type of thing. So it was a whole different, whole different animal. But uh, the result is very good. So uh, we feel like we're uh, in a good spot. So questions. We'll start off with Trevor Allen from KSLSports.com, followed by Josh Newman from the Salt Lake Tribune. Kyle, do you do you see you guys signing in, any more players during this this signing period, or maybe in you know a couple of months when when it's actually signing day? Either way, that could go down. We're not uh, we're not going to rule that out. There's you know the portal has uh, new players in it every day, literally, and and uh, so we just keep monitoring things and. And uh, you know, we could add players, you know, in the sh shortly here. We may not be until uh, summertime. But okay, all right. Anyway, I hope that answers your question. Yeah, we. It may be there really is no time frame. We're going to get take the best players available as they arise and as they become available. And uh, like I said, wait. Uh, we'll wait. We'll probably hang on to at least a couple until. Uh, you know, this, the second semester gets underway and, and uh, we've uh, had the uh, chance to see who's, uh, who may decide to, to go elsewhere. So, so uh, that's, that's the plan going forward. Next, we'll go to Josh Newman, Salt Lake Tribune, followed by Patrick Kinahan, 1280 The Zone. Hey, Kyle, good morning. Good morning, Josh. Um, obviously, it's beneficial when a freshman can enroll early and be available for spring ball, specifically at the quarterback position, how beneficial is it for, for that type of kid to get in early and, and hit the ground running and just start learning? Yeah, it's a big benefit for any position, but in particular, as you mentioned, the quarterback spot, which is uh, the most difficult to grasp and the most to it as far as uh, new learning. And that's going to be a big advantage for Pete. He's uh, going to be able to be here and, and uh, hopefully be in spring ball. We're hoping there's a spring ball. But uh, if nothing else, the meetings and the preparation, uh, you know, just with uh, with the quarterbacks and in the uh, in the meeting room and, and digesting the offense and, and getting going. So yeah, that's a that's a big advantage, and we're excited that uh, Pete is going to go that route. Just a quick follow up. In hindsight, you got Pete to commit pretty early back in April. When you can get your number one quarterback on the board to commit early, what does that do for the rest of your class as you're trying to you know? recruit and get kids to buy in well it's a it's a good thing and and that uh would go for any uh real high profile player that commits early that helps you uh you know recruit other guys i mean it's it uh, lets other guys know that uh, you got a good start to the recruiting class and you, you've got quality players and and uh so that that is a benefit in that regard and and uh certainly getting beat early on was uh, a factor in in getting uh, some of these other guys Next is Patrick Kinahan, 1280 The Zone, followed by Chris Tomrani from The Athletic. With the recruiting rules and regulations changed so dramatically in the spring and all that because of the COVID, you ended up, I would assume, saving a lot of money because coaches couldn't go anywhere. Do you think that the NCA or university presidents or conference commissioners or what have you might decide that, hey, we can actually save some money? So everybody got a recruiting class this year. So do you think this could have changes to what's allowable in the future as far as recruiting. That's a good point. I hadn't thought of it in those terms. Uh, I certainly hope not because going out on the recruiting trail and getting in the homes and, and building relationships with these players uh, is a, a huge part of the recruiting process. And, 
And even though you can build those relationships somewhat over Zoom and, and that type of thing, it's just not the same as the in-person experience. And for the recruits' sake, I hope it doesn't change because they they deserve to be able to physically get on the campuses that they uh, are considering and uh, meet the coaches in person. And I think that's such a, a integral part of, of the whole process. Even though it can be done without it, I, I hope they don't go that direction because uh, I think it's not fair to the uh, student athletes. Next, Chris Camrani, followed by Josh Furlong from KSL.com. Kyle, can you describe the, I guess, chase, for lack of a better term, of Ethan Calvert and what he brings to this program? And is he the type of talent that will challenge for a starting job day one? Absolutely. He's the type of talent that will, will challenge. He's, uh, he's a terrific player. Uh, we identified him years ago. In fact, uh, when we were in the home recruiting his uh, older brothers, and he was just a little guy, you know, seventh, eighth grade. And, uh, and, and so uh, known Ethan for a lot of years, and we've had him uh, on our radar for a lot of years, and he just kept getting better and bigger and stronger and developing. And, and uh, you know, it's a, it's a great football family. David, the dad, played here at Utah, and, and uh, so it was. It was something that uh, we had. That was a, you know, probably all all together, you know, five six years that that we've known about Ethan, and uh, we're excited to have him. He's, uh, as I mentioned yesterday in the press conference, he's uh, the whole package. He's got the size, the speed, uh, the intelligence, the instincts. Uh, he's a fierce competitor, and so yeah, we expect him to uh, be in the mix right away. Next, Josh Furlong, KSL.com, and we'll go back to Patrick Kinahan. Kyle, a little bit of a two-part question here. Why, why was things a little bit um, stable coming into this recruiting class? Why wasn't there not a lot of, of kind of movement? And then also, how many um, of these kids do you expect to sign early and come in in January to compete, and why is that happening? Well, the, uh, you know, just the uh, stability, uh, every year is a little bit different. Some years there are some last-minute decisions, and and some guys that uh, you either get or lose uh, at the last hour. But uh, this year was more, and, and I guess maybe it's because of the, uh, the, uh, the way that the recruiting process went with nobody taking visits and everyone you know, just locked in earlier without, uh, you know, without having the experience of, of going to the different campuses. Maybe it made it easier for, in some respects for these guys to make a choice. I don't know, I don't have a great answer, but uh, I know that we are, uh, we, we signed every single kid at the early signing period. We're not waiting on anybody for the second signing period, not right now anyways, we could identify somebody. But, uh, and then what was the second part of your question? I'm getting really old. Just how many of those guys do you expect to enroll early and, yeah. and why did that keep, why, do, why, what's the benefit of that, I guess? Okay, well, first of all, the benefit of early enrollee is, of an early, or for an early enrollee is, is uh, you know, many fold. Number one, academics, you get a head start, uh, a whole semester of academics that uh, you wouldn't have gotten, which gets you off to a, a great start and, and, and accelerates the process towards graduation. Uh, the football aspect of it, you get an entire spring ball, assuming there is a spring ball, to uh, get under your belt. And then when you come in fall, you've already got a great uh, foundation built and, and you've already been exposed to, to everything. It's not brand new in the fall. And when, so when you're getting ready for the season, it's, you're, you're much further advanced. Uh, the, and the prior to the spring ball, the, uh, the winter conditioning is also a big benefit, getting, getting integrated with your teammates and, and working out with the guys. And it's a much better way to uh, develop your body than if you're just 
home trying to do it on your own. So, so there's a lot of, a lot of benefits to that. Um, how many guys we got coming in? Uh, we have uh, 10, 10 players that will be enrolling in January. And uh, that's, that's what, over half the class. And when you figure in the four players who are already here this fall that count in that class, we've got uh, 14 guys that, that are either here already or will be here for, for spring semester, uh, which is probably the highest number we've ever had. And that seems to be getting growing each year. The, the early graduation has been a trend and a growing trend for several years, and it just keeps getting uh, further and further pushed in that direction. Next, Patrick Kinahan, followed by Chris Camarotti. So I believe the other morning you said that Cam Rising would be out for spring ball because he has the uh, injury. And that's obviously you just said, assuming there is a spring ball. So with that in mind, I don't know the status of Bentley, but if he doesn't come back, does that mean the only scholarship quarterback you'd have available for spring ball would be this incoming freshman? That would mean that if nothing changes between now and then. But uh, I'm going to tell you there's a really – Good likelihood that uh, you know we'll, we'll continue to try to uh, address that position, and, and uh, that would be worst case scenario. What you just mentioned, and I don't think we're going to get to worst case scenario. I think we're going to be able to uh, have a, a good situation uh, by spring ball. So that obviously be through transfers. Could be, could be, or, or guys like I said that are that haven't signed yet. Although there's very few of those guys left. Uh, I don't know what the percentage is, but I would guess 90% plus of the uh, scholarships have already been uh, utilized in this first signing period. But uh, yeah, transfers is, is, uh, is the other avenue, obviously, and that, that would probably be more likely to go that route. Next is Chris Comrani, followed by Trevor Allen. Kyle, with five linebackers in this class, do you expect all of those guys to stay at that position? Because obviously from a defensive standpoint, that's the one spot on your defense that you have the most limited amount of players actually on the field and based on your scheme. So I'm wondering, do you guys plan on moving some of these incoming guys around or are they all going to stay in that room? Odds are they won't all stay at linebacker. And we've already got a couple guys that we know are very versatile and uh, you know, may, may get their start at defensive end. And so to answer your question, no, I don't foresee all five uh, remaining at linebacker. They may all... Uh, take reps there for, for at least a portion of, or a period of time, but, but uh, we'll balance things out and make sure that uh, we get people in the right spots and, and where they have the highest ceilings. And that's, that's pretty much our MO every year is, is to get guys where we think they have uh, the best chance to, to uh, develop and, and become the best player they can be. And so uh, we just happen to have a lot of on paper right now, linebackers, but uh, we'll get it all balanced out. Trevor Allen followed by Josh Newman. Kyle, did, did it help sending seven guys to the league for you to get this class? And, you know, because it's obviously stacked with, with, with talent from top to bottom. Did it help when you when you guys sent seven guys, you know, drafted to the league? Absolutely. Uh, recruits take note of that. And we've had more players drafted uh, than any team in the Pac-12 over the last, I can't remember the exact time frame, four, five, six years. There's, there's a time frame there that we have had the most uh, draftees any team in the Pac-12, and that's absolutely a selling point. I mean, why why wouldn't it be? You want to, you know, when recruits get here, they they should want two things: a degree and a chance to play at the next level. And uh, our coaches are doing a great job of offering both those things to them. We'll go to Josh Newman. Kyle, as you move through the rest of this week and then into February, what do you view as the biggest position of need right now? Well, it could be quarterback, depending on what transpires with the seniors. 
Uh, running back, you know, we lost, uh, as we already talked about uh, a few days ago with Jordan and uh, and Devin. So that's a position that, that would need uh, or could use a, a little bit of a, a, a bolster, um, depending on uh, who else transfers. You know, I'm sure we're not going to hang on to everybody. That's just not the, the reality of it. That you know, something will something will materialize in the way of of needs at a certain position, but. Right now, I can't make that prediction. Uh, we need another wide receiver, most likely. That would be something that uh, we've got on our radar as well. And so we just you just got to continue to uh, address needs as they arise. But we we know right now that there is a, a couple needs that are that have already arisen. Okay, that will conclude our press conference today. Thanks everybody for joining us. There's Kyle Whittingham talking about his recruiting class. Yes, everyone is paying attention to who gets drafted. And yes, it helped them. Why wouldn't it? You know, that is why uh, Lincoln Kennedy told us that story that Alabama, on their media guide, if you, when you flip it open, uh, they have a bunch of canceled checks. Alabama, ex-Alabama players and the money they're making in the NFL. Because, like you said, everybody wants to go to the NFL, and the better they get at getting guys to the NFL, the better it's paying off on recruiting day. If you're a Ute fan and you're excited right now, why wouldn't you be? Possibly because of the question PK brought up. They need another quarterback, PK, and a running back and a wide receiver. They only brought in one running back, one quarterback, and one wide receiver. And with transfers and the way the roster stands, there's going to be something happening there. We're going to have to, uh, we're going to, have to keep watching. Transfer Portal Pete over here is going to have to keep his eyes open. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I don't think that there's any way conceivably possible that they go into spring ball with a incoming with an incoming freshman as the only quarterback on the roster. That for a premier program that is sending all these guys to the NFL would just be an absolute disaster. I, I, there's no way I can see that happening. I just, you know, BYU was in that situation a couple of years back where that Christian Stewart, whose yeah. eligibility was exhausted, yeah. he had to play quarterback. I mean, that just there's no way. So I think what Kyle's saying between the lines is they're going to get a grad transfer if Bentley decides to move on, or if Rising is not healthy. Uh, even if Rising is healthy for the season, which I th- I assume he would be, so it would be disastrous for spring ball, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's disastrous for the season, which obviously matters more than spring ball. Well, I think that Kyle would not want to go into a season with a guy coming off a major shoulder injury. And if you only play 14 plays and then you miss the next four or five games if they go to a bowl game, I guess, and you don't, you're not in spring ball, that, that's a major injury, right? So you got a guy coming off a major injury and you got a true freshman. No, he wants, he wants more depth in the quarterback room for, for the opener next year. So it seems like it's probable it'll be a transfer. But, well, you know, if he does see a good quarterback out there who hasn't signed, and most of them have, but if he could get one of them, I guess he would. But it seems like the transfer portal is going to be where he's going to go find somebody. Yeah. It's where they found the last uh, two guys, and they probably over the last five years probably found three or four guys there. So, Well, I think what's obvious, and we don't want to really say it, is that Zach Wilson isn't going to go to the NFL. He's going to transfer to Utah. Okay, now you need to be drug tested. <laughs> again? Well, again, yes. Just drug test you one more time. Well, speaking of drug testing, right in the middle of Kyle's answer, we hear your voice. What yeah. was that about? Yeah. Trying to go on from the on-air studio. That's two times in a row. I'm just not going to try. <laughs> I'm done trying. Well, what are you using? Uh, the microphone that goes on the, the air. 
Yeah, and, you could use your and phone. And the microphone. Um, well, I could, but I don't think that would solve either of the problems we had the last two times. And invent a third one. <laughs> Why? Uh, I don't know at this point because I thought it was fine the last two. Because You not just mute the up. microphone on the computer and enable the microphone on your phone and you're good to go. And that's Come exactly on. what we need to do going forward. <laughs> I think I'm just going to text PK my questions. We ended up with feedback one time. That had nothing to do with the microphones. The feedback we figured out. <laughs> right in the middle of Kyle's answer, we I hear know. your voice. Because <laughs> the, the speakers were on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good time. Of all the people, we hear your voice Yep, <laughs> interrupting on the most important day, the lifeblood of the program, and you got to interrupt. 90% <laughs> of the work is right here. Oh, that was too funny. <laughs> when we come back, uh, we got a little bit on Jackson Dark coming up. We got to talk a little bit about that. We'll do that at the top of the hour. DJ and PK, stay with us. <laughs> So Ringo Network's home to complete business telecom and IT solutions backed by an interesting SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communications for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. Great news, DJ. What's that? I took the test during the break and I passed it. I don't want to know what test, do I? You told me I had to have a drug test. Oh. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> So listening to Kyle talk about uh, not just the recruiting class, but the uh, the stuff that still needs to be done, right? They need to find another quarterback. They need to find another running back. He'd like to find another wide receiver. You know, I, I listen to – speaking of tests, it's like you can't pass the recruiting test on signing day. You can only fail it. You know, if you don't bring in the right – the right people, you're so far behind the eight ball, you're probably not digging out. But if you do bring in the right people, there's still work to be done because even if you have these great classes, if they aren't balanced, if you don't have people at every position, he indicated that the five linebackers, some are going to end up being defensive ends, they'll sort that out. If you don't have all that balance, it's not going to matter either. So like, this is a big chunk of the work, and yet it's clearly not done. Well, I don't think it's ever done for that matter. But at the same time, when you're the two-time uh, defending South Division winner, you're obviously doing something right. So I don't know what guys who are going to be studs, but I just know some of them are going to be studs. All right, DJ and PK, it is time to bring in Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic. If you've been struggling with ED, Andrew's got a treatment you've probably heard a little bit about, but he's got even more research on it. Yes, we do. If you're out there struggling with erectile dysfunction, there is – I think we can say scientifically proven now, you know, 40 clinical studies. I would say that that is safe. Uh, it opens up and regrows blood vessels. Everybody from Cambridge to the American Urological Association has tested this. And what it's doing is it's agitating blood vessels just a tiny bit so that they open up, they regrow. That's called neovascularization. And basically, that's all very good when you're talking about ED because ED is a blood flow issue. Now, here's the big takeaway. You don't have to take the pill. You get back to normal function, on-demand function, spontaneity, and no side effects, of course. And you've got a special deal for people right now who are interested. 
We do. If you're out there struggling with ED, maybe you've heard this, maybe you've been hesitant, but you want things to improve in the bedroom, call us. Call Wasatch Medical right now. The screening with the medical doctor will be free. That's no obligation. Come in, get some of your questions answered. He'll do a blood flow ultrasound for free. We'll throw in a little holiday gift. It produces instant results in the bedroom. You're going to love that. It's all free. And the phone number to call. 801-901-8000. You can call Wasatch Medical right now. 801-901-8000. Andrew, thanks for checking in. Andrew Reinhart, Wasatch Medical Clinic. 801-901-8000.